Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Andrew Doyle and welcome to Headliners. And joining me tonight to analyse tomorrow's headlines are Josh Howey and Leo Kurse. How are you both? This is the dream team. The dream yeah. team, yeah. <laughs> Don't let Nick Dixon hear you say that. But... <laughs> very jealous, but you know, I say that for everyone though. Yeah, yeah, fair How fair are you, Leo? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, what have you been up to this week? Uh, it's only just started. It has. Yeah, it's it's an unfair question. In yeah. Ways. Yeah. I did, what I did have you achieved? Have you achieved I, anything? I did headliners and then I did headliners again yeah. so far. And you achieved That's, everything you need to yeah. achieve. Sounds like a good week to me. Anyway, let's start by going through tomorrow's front pages. And we start with Wednesday's Telegraph. PM faces cabinet battle over defence spending. So more trouble there for Boris Johnson. Uh, and also Sturgeon wrongfoots Westminster by sending Indy Ref to fight to Supreme Court. It looks like Nicola Sturgeon is pushing, well, in fact, has confirmed that she's going to go for a, another uh, referendum. And we're going to be talking about that in just a wee while. Wednesday's independent. Now, Johnson faces military spending row and also scandal hit Met Police put in special measures, as you know, uh, they're in the process of finding a replacement for Cressida Dick. We're going to be talking about that as well. On to Wednesday's Guardian, which leads with Sturgeon in bid for new referendum in late 2023. And they've also got a story there, UK policies on net zero failing, say advisors. And also an image there of the campaigner, Deborah James, who has very sadly died at the age of 40. On to Wednesday's Financial Times now, and they lead with Trump wanted to join armed mob on Capitol Hill. Aid says. So that story is never going away. All the twists and turns of that is very exciting. Let's move on now to Wednesday's Metro, which has Ghislaine caged for 20 years. This is a strange, strange word to use. Caged. Okay. No, she's been sentenced to 20 years in prison. We're definitely going to be covering that. That's probably going to be our first story. Moving on to Wednesday's Star. And of course, they go for a completely different angle squeaky bum time. And this is a manhunt for a sweaty, a rubber-clad man who's been roaming villages in Somerset. We'll probably cover that as well. So those are your front covers. And let's kick right off with Wednesday's Telegraph. And this is Ghislaine Maxwell, who was sentenced earlier today. And she, she was aiming for five years. How much did she get, Josh? She got 20, but she could have got 30. She could have got more. She could have got more. This And a $750,000... Fine as well. So, right. uh, just, just... Ghislaine. <laughs> Ghislaine Maxwell. Are you sure it's Ghislaine Maxwell? I'm sure it's Ghislaine. That's uh, let's get Polly it. back in here and let's see. She knows the. Well, the, I heard the Polly earlier say it was Ghislaine. Uh, no, so it's, it's definitely Ghislaine. Ghislaine. You agree with Ghislaine? Sure. Let's say Ghislaine instead, instead of. It's not a J. Instead of the funnier pronunciation of the name. Right. Tell us the story. All right, What's fine. So, on? yes. So she's going to jail for 20 years. Obviously, she's already been held in custody in supposedly one of the worst jails in the country uh, for a while now. But the judge has uh, said that her actions were heinous and predatory, uh, lack of remorse, did not accept responsibility. But before she received her um, judgment, uh, she did stand up and say that her my association with Epstein uh, will permanently stay me. Uh, it's the yeah. biggest regret of my life. They have men, of course, and she's 60 years old. So, so she's going to be 80 when she gets out. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a full life sentence, not for the rest of her life. 
From what you, you mentioned, yeah. that, that where she's currently held is supposed to be awful. Mm. And someone described the new, wherever she ends up, is going to be like Disneyland in comparison. Yes. It's going to be much, much better. Will, they have, will the security cameras work for the suicide watch? That's, that's what I'm wondering. Because <laughs> if they don't, then, you know, obviously a lot of the people who are on Epstein's Island, the, you know, the Clintons, the Gates, all these kinds of people, mm. are probably going to be uh, lumbered. They'll, they'll feel like they have to pay lots of money. I so, knew yeah. you were going to start mentioning okay. the Clintons and the Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they repeatedly went... Epstein's Island. That doesn't yeah, yeah. mean, A, that doesn't mean they knew anything, mm. and, and it certainly doesn't mean that they were participating in anything illegal. But the, the point about that, yeah, but it's been politicised, hasn't it, this whole case? And people have been sort of chomping at the bit to try and implicate as many of their political opponents as they can, yeah, right? Yeah. People have even talked about Epstein's relationship with Donald Trump back in the, like, before all of this stuff. Yeah. Right? Mm. So it's, it's opportunistic for you to mention. Yeah, but you expect it. You, you expect it like. from Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump doesn't paint so himself okay. as some holier-than-thou person who's out to save the world, whereas Bill Gates and yeah. Bill Clinton do. No, you're right. Donald Trump is definitely, like, he's proud of just going to desert islands with yeah. women and uh, underage and whatnot. Yeah, brags about it openly <laughs> on, in interviews and stuff. So you know, you know where you are with this. It's like the, you know, Motley Crue. You, sort of, you know where you are with Motley Crue. When, it, when it's... When it's by, uh, you know, this, these kinds of people, it's, uh, I think there's something more sinister. Well, what about, what about the, uh, the, the appeal prospects? Because Maxwell's saying that she wants to appeal this sentence. Mm. And her lawyer has suggested that actually, given the sheer uh, public attention that has surrounded this case, yeah. uh, it means that there wasn't really a possibility of a fair trial. Do you think there's a case there? There is a case, but I think the bigger detail that we need to look into is that her lawyer is called Bobby Sternheim, and Bobby is B-O-B-B-I. And that offends your sensibilities? I feel like that's got to be somehow connected to this conspiracy or, like, she went to meet her and said, oh, you've got a stupid name as well. I've my, you're my lawyer. We can understand each other. So this, uh, so I would never hire a lawyer called Bobby yeah, with a, an I. Come on, man. Get a hairdresser called Bobby. Of course she's got 20 years if she's hiring a lawyer called Bobby with an I. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But I'm glad Josh has got his priorities right. Anyway, we're going to have to move on uh, to the next story now. This is Wednesday's Express, and it looks like Scotland might not have to wait too long for another supposedly once-in-a-generation referendum. Yeah, exactly. So Nicola Sturgeon has announced a route map to a second Scottish independence referendum despite a fierce backlash to the drive. I mean, it's the last thing Scotland and the UK needs at the moment we're still putting everything back together after COVID. But she proposed that, and this is her words, a legal constitutional referendum should be held on October the 19th, 2023. Is she, is she going to bypass Westminster with this? Because, I mean, they're saying that they, she, she would have to get consent. Yeah, I don't think she can bypass no. Westminster. I mean, unless there's some massive upsurge uh, in, in support for it in Scotland, but which I, I genuinely, I don't think there is. The last one was supposed to be a once-in-the-generation uh, vote. And, you know, this is, this is nine no, years on. That's no, not a generation. No, we're, we're, not, we're not squirrels. No, there are nine-year-olds in Scotland with kids now that is, that is true. That is a whole new dynamic. This is the thing. I mean, Scotland has been such a failure under 14 years of SNP rule. I mean, part of me wants to see it happen just so that all the all the Scottish nationalists, all those all those bigoted, uh, you know, little they're like little Englanders, but for, for Scotland, you can't stand the just SNP. So that they, Whenever you get onto the SNP, the, the, the air turns ugly. I think, I think really the rest goes. of the UK should should get a vote in it. But I, I just a part of me wants to see the the absolute binfire that Scotland would be uh, under a, under an SNP but, government yeah. without being bailed out constantly, bailed out with fifteen billion pounds of Westminster's money every year. Well, since we've got onto your bug barely, I'm going to get onto one of Josh's now because she says Sturgeon says that she wants Scotland to be... And, in fact, the question mm. on the ballot is going to be, should Scotland be an independent country? But this is the party that wants to take them back into the EU. Yeah, so <laughs> that's the, But that's the excuse that she's using. I mean, she said here, and you'll be pleased to know that I'd be working on my accent. 
Oh, you're going to do a Scottish accent? Right, brace yourselves, <laughs> everyone, because... Scotland, Scotland. The people of Scotland said yes to an independent referendum. I mean, I don't know what that was, <laughs> you but A for effort, Josh. <laughs> really? Yeah, A for I was effort. Yeah. I've literally spent all day working on that. Maybe it's <laughs> one of those sort of islands in the Outer Hebrides How where... The, you know, clear majority did... of SMPs committed to that outcome. What is that? How did that audition go, Josh? You've got to... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go well. I mean, two things with this story. I think, you know, in the last referendum, uh, Scots who lived outside Scotland but in the UK, like me, so many Scots live, live in England or in Wales or Northern Ireland, they didn't get to vote. So, right. you know, we should definitely get a say in it because we're the ones that have left the country and, you know, experienced the UK. So we're the ones that are most informed to know if Scotland should leave the UK. And uh, the other thing, it should be called Skexit. Instead of, you know, last <laughs> the yes, having yes... Uh, to independence is a very positive message. It should be no to staying in the UK. But why are we so surprised that Nicola Sturgeon wants to go for another referendum? Mm. That is the purpose, that's the raison d'etre of the SNP. That's the whole reason it exists. Yeah. And the fact that they are completely dominant in Scottish politics, there is no, there's no uh, competition. The, the Tories are nowhere, Labour are nowhere. Doesn't that suggest, Leo, that there is, in fact, quite an appetite for Scottish nationalism? Really, the, the success of the SNP in Scottish politics really shows the, the power of a single-issue uh, political party, as we saw with the, with the Brexit party in UKIP, you know, a yeah. single-issue political party can really, you know, do do incredible things because you're selling this this golden ticket, this uh, this golden ticket that'll take you to utopia. Yeah, but just, just one second. But the Shadow Secretary of State for Scotland, Ian Murray, did say that he reckons the whole thing's just a strategy to deflect from their massive failings in government. Mm. And I think that's a pretty good idea. I think maybe Boris should be the next person to hold a referendum. For English independence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deflect away. Let's move on now to Wednesday's Mail. And Britain apparently is booming, well, on the population front. Yes, exactly. That's what we need, more people. Uh, 59.6 million is now our official uh, figure for England and Wales because yeah. Scotland messed up their uh, census so badly. They got the maths wrong. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So that's another added... Uh, incentive for them to become independent. Um, and it's the interesting thing is that, so the numbers have gone up, but the pace with, within which it has gone up is uh, very varied across England and Wales. Wales, I believe, is, is very, very low. Uh, if I'm going, but London is uh, surging towards megacity status. What's megacity status? Uh, it's from uh, Judge, Judge Dredd. Dredd. Judge Dredd. I thought it meant we're actually going to get Judge Dredd and he's going to, I mean, it would sort, sort out the Met Police. I think yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, I love Judge Dredd, big, massive fan. Um, um, and uh, But, yeah, figures going up. East of England has gone up the most, uh, up 8.3%. Look, this article has just got a crazy amount of numbers. Tower Hamlets in London has gone up 22%. Uh, but, yes, expansion in Wales, much lower. And uh, the, sir, the well, Welsh accent from Wales, Seredigon uh, uh, numbers have dropped. The, what, how are you trying to say? Kerry can you do a Welsh accent? And I'll just copy it quickly. Well, I, I can sound from, like a, I can sound like I'm not recovering I'm, from a stroke. From Wales. <laughs> I'm from Wales. Listen, let's I'm from Wales. Anyway, it's dropped no. by five point eight percent. I'm, I'm going to put a stop to this because we're right. out of control. All right, sorry. Um, okay. But what I would say is basically the story is that the population is going up and up and up. And uh, and actually, why is this? Is this because of immigration? Well, well yeah, this is the interesting uh, thing in this. So the um, the figures have shown that immigration has been largely responsible for population growth since the 1990s. And in 2021, right. we saw you know, the highest levels of immigration ever. Uh, almost a million visas issued. Plus, obviously, you know, there's uh, illegal immigration. You're well. unhappy a decade, right? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Politicians th say that immigration is essential for countries uh, like the UK because our renewal rate 
has dropped. People aren't having enough children. But people aren't having enough children because they can't afford a house. Because you want to have a house before you, you know, have children. It's so not, not just that, is it, Liam? It's also itinerant. because they're really annoying no, around the house. No, it's, it's, it really is based on, uh, based on what you can earn and what you can afford and, uh, you know, can you afford a house? And uh, if, uh, you know, if, if an influx of labour is coming in every year and undercutting wages, you're not, you're not going to be able to earn. You know, that's, that undercuts working-class wages. And also, if you can't, so you stay at home and then you, you do a lot more sex stuff. And the, there's not going to be more houses available if we bring a million more people into the country. But you can't year. just have a blanket thing against immigrants. I mean, no, it's not, against, it's not a blanket thing. Against, but could, surely we can have some sort of sensible balance where, you know, and we can encourage people in, the, in this country to have children instead of just replacing everybody. What do you think? Uh, I don't want any more kids. Yeah, I think you've heard uh, <laughs> But, uh, the, but the, the other bit they're talking about, not just population, is 51% of the population is female, 49% male. That, it's interesting to see how, if that would be any different if people had been allowed to self-ID, which was in the original census, and then they changed it because they were taking oh, to court. Well, then it could be anything. Yeah, it could be 60% female, <laughs> and, that, and that would have changed all the figures because when this stuff, it goes out to government departments, it goes out to businesses. Yeah, well, maybe, and they, maybe that's why we should record the facts. Well, that's what they did, finally. Rather than some made-up things. Here, OK, yeah. let's move on now to The Times next. And no sign of Number 10 giving in on tax cuts yet, Leo. Yeah, so Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak are coming under pressure to help with the cost of living, uh, but uh, they've... Um, uh, so cabinet ministers and backbenchers are asking them to, to cut taxes and they're, they're refusing. And uh, I mean, I think this is because tax cuts uh, will... Uh, taxes at the moment are actually helping suppress inflation. So because yes. people have less money to spend, uh, that, that keeps, you know, inflation sort of on the supply side, uh, you know, if, if there's not enough stuff there, then the they prices take all of my money, rise. really. Yeah, and that, that, that would really help. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, if you're cutting people's taxes, people have more money to spend and more money to put into the economy, and surely that's... Yeah, good. but if you've got more money to put into the economy, then you get into this. You can get into this wage inflation spiral that we got into in the Weimar Republic. Well, Someone's been reading The Economist. <laughs> <laughs> you've actually done some research. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, our current inflationary uh, situation is caused by the government printing a lot of money and it's caused by supply squeezes on energy and on uh, goods coming from, from China. So it's not just that people have more money to spend. Uh, and I, I think tax cuts would be great. We're, we're currently paying the most tax we've yeah. paid in decades since I think it was the Atlee government. And the worst thing is that this coincides with me actually having a job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a nightmare. It's fine when you're an employee. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like, tax as much as you want. Yeah, when you're a comedian just driving to Hull and getting paid 300 quid in cash. You yeah, know? 300? You got 300 for that gig. <laughs> <laughs> let's not fall out over that. Anyway, let's move on now to Wednesday's Guardian. And what is the point of a manifesto pledge if you're not going to stick to it? What is the point of Boris Johnson? <laughs> there we go. Well, that's a bigger uh, question. There we go. So, yeah, he, they made a manifesto pledge that they were going to be spending 0.5% um, plus inflation. Yeah. Uh, now inflation's at 9%. And so they basically... They, sort of the um, number See, 10... Defence. 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 Sorry, the defence budget, yes. Uh, but number 10 put out some feelers on Monday saying, look, we're not going to be able to keep that... Everyone kind of freaked out a little bit. Boris Johnson has now said, no, 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 we're going to do it. But you know what? Like, we don't judge inflation on just one day. Inflation, really, we have to judge it over a couple of years. So relax. How much spending do we really need at the moment? It's going to be Satan 2, you know, that massive bomb from Russia. We can't yeah. do much about that, can we? You know, we, need, we, we need to have Jesus 3 
We, ready to meet Satan 2. Oh, yeah, we right, did. Yeah. Great, let's get Build Jesus 3. Yeah. And in Israel, they've got the Iron Dome, which stops missile. I mean, I don't know if it would work against the Satan, but it, it works against the, the things that, you know... Can we not get one of those Iron Dome things? How much are they? I'd like an Iron Dome. Yeah. 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 Putin, the way he is, I'd love, I'd love an Iron Dome over the UK. I don't know how much it costs, but I'd rather well, it's so spent on that. So you wouldn't get sunburned with an Iron Dome, because it would be concealing the... Is that how it works? No, it's not how it works. No, no. it works. I mean, you should look at the photo. There's a really beautiful photo of all these missiles. It's not yeah. actually that beautiful. I no, think it's about pretty, it. It's <laughs> pretty missile terrifying, actually. Yeah, it is pretty terrifying. Okay, okay, but look, missile command. You know, when we're talking about the, you know, mm. the government not being able to fulfil their manifesto promises when it comes to this kind of, uh, these kind of cuts, yeah. to be fair, as one of the sources says, and they point out in this article, that was a different time. When the manifesto yeah. was written, mm. there was no pandemic. You know, there was yeah. no, uh, there was no uh, cost of living crisis. Everything has shifted. Everything. Yeah, but there shifted. was no war in Ukraine. Yeah, and, uh, and right. I believe I think I read something the other day about how we're now running on a deficiency of those. The stuff that we're giving over means that we're our own stocks are. Perilous, I suppose what I'm saying is people are going to be more forgiving uh, for a failure to fulfil manifesto pledges, given the fact that the whole world has turned upside down. Yeah, we had two decades of uh, nice, so non-inflationary constant expansion. So we had very low inflation. Okay, please, <laughs> please stop reading The Economist. Because it's so we, had, we had low inflation. So this is, this is really, you know, surprised everyone. Everybody was surprised. Oh, we printed, uh, we printed all the money in the world all over again. We're surprised that inflation's happened. I mean, it shouldn't have surprised anybody. But, um, I mean, the, the, gov the government spent £400 billion just over the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a cost that sprang out of, of nowhere. But much of that was, uh, was gra grafted away. I can't believe there's more, not more focus on where that money went. Yeah, exactly. And we could oh, well, I think that maybe that was, we could have saved quite a lot of that. If yeah, 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 absolutely. We saved anyway. all of it. Sticking with The Guardian, uh, the Metropolitan Police in a spot of bother. Leo, what's this about? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is huge. So the Metropolitan Police has been placed under special measures by the official police inspectorate after a series of scandals and concerns about its effectiveness. And uh, Sadiq Khan, who's ultimately responsible for policing in London, he's the police and crime commissioner for London as well as the mayor, uh, he has said um, a series of appalling scandals have not only exposed deep cultural problems but have damaged the confidence of Londoners, Londoners in the capital's police service. It's like, yeah, you're supposed to be in charge. This happened on your watch. Yeah. All these cultural issues happened on your watch. Well, he was taking selfies next to, you know, rainbow-painted telephone boxes or whatever. The police was falling apart and becoming a shambles and focusing on policing tweets and, and you know, misgendering instead of actual crime. And it's not just the Sarah Everard failure in terms of the, the, the you know, the very rotten apple in their barrel there. Mm. But or, there have been other issues as well. I mean, Cressida Dick has been uh, quite keen on investigating hate speech and things like yeah. that, complete waste of time when there's all this other stuff going on, right, Josh? Yeah, so this is a good thing. Look, they've, 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 it's been apparent there's been a problem for a while. Yeah. Now it seems like what it's actually going to do, I mean, in terms of concrete steps for fixing it, all it really says is additional scrutiny and support to help make improvements. Well, they well, need a better commissioner, don't they? Yeah. They need, they need well, they need a commissioner. They, they don't have a commissioner. No, but they, they, need yeah. so, they need someone at the top who can actually be effective in the job. You're saying they and, need a man? And they need to... I'm not <laughs> saying they need a man. I don't know, that well, was a subtext. I'm just saying that was subtext of what no, you seem to be saying. that's your misogynistic brain going into overdrive, know. as it um, usually does. Well, they need to switch back to dealing with actual crime. I mean, at the moment, the only way you can get the Met Police to respond to a burglary is if you say the burglar misgendered you. Yeah, well, absolutely true. I know people have been burgled. They just don't bother calling the police because yeah. they know nothing's going to happen anyway. Wednesday's Telegraph now, and 77 years on, people are still being brought to justice over the crimes committed by Nazi Germany. Josh, what's going on here? So, a uh, former Nazi guard, uh, camp guard, was sentenced to five years in prison. They, camp uh, guard. He he's a camp feminine. guard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's do some Holocaust jokes. <laughs> he's uh, 101 years old. He's the oldest person so far to be charged. Uh, and he's been charged with complicity in war crimes. 
during the Holocaust. Uh, his role, they're saying, uh, contributed to the murder of 3,500-ish prisoners. Uh, but it's an interesting uh, thing, as opposed to sort of direct evidence of murder, although there is evidence that he also did was involved with the murder of some, um, some Russian... Um, uh, captors and whatever. Uh, he was 21 years at the time, but they've also, like, they a few years ago, they also convicted a someone who was an accountant at Auschwitz, and basically the people who made the system run, which allowed... So what do you do with something like this, though? Because it, it feels like an eon ago, doesn't it? It feels like so long ago. He's over 100 years old. Mm. Can he be competent? Can he remember? Can he defend well, himself effectively? Well, th that's why the, uh, it was delayed a few times, but at the same time, they did find inconsistency. He swears, like, oh, during the war, I was an agricultural worker, and then they find out that his name is in a bunch of documents. I suppose that's what I mean. And if he was 100, like, he might think he was an agricultural worker. Well, you know. yeah, that's he might, he might think that, but he might also be a Nazi. Yeah, and of course. Uh, <laughs> so, no statute of limitations, then, on this in Germany. No, and I, th I think it's actually good that they're they're doing it, particularly right now, as as uh, Russia is committing you know horrific war crimes in in Ukraine and also uh, detaining uh, Ukrainians in Russia. Obviously, you know not, nothing on the the scale or severity of the the Holocaust, but yes. it, it's a warning, it's a signal to anybody mm. who's complicit in these these regimes who commits war crimes or crimes against humanity that you can be tracked down and you can you can be made accountable. So You'll never sleep easy. Yeah, he's probably never going to go to prison, realistically. Well, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. there's no point at this point, is there? You know, he's, he hasn't got yeah. long left. But, I mean, like... Good. You know, but I would, well, I would suggest that anyone who was complicit in uh, the Holocaust deserves justice, right? They should, they, you know, yeah. you know that's obvious. Um, but it's interesting that what you say about, like, this is about sending a message, because in this article, one of the, this research professor at France's National Centre for Scientific Research is saying that this is about sending signals. Mm. But she's saying it's about sending signals to... Uh, the, the, the rise of the far right in France and everywhere else, and absolutely everywhere. I mean, do you think that's what this is about, mostly? I think it's just in any authoritarian context. Mm -hmm. uh, the moral responsibility of an individual. That, for me, that's a valid message. The message that I personally get from this is that, as what you sort of said earlier, this happened within lived experience. Yeah. And anything yeah. that brings us back to that to show it isn't some mad historical thousands of years ago, 100 years ago. Doesn't it feel thing. like it, though? That's it does feel like it. Of course, the pace of life, life is so different there. But the reality is there are people alive today who committed those crimes. And when you look into the insanity of the crime, you can't grasp it. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's bonkers. And, and this person talking about the rise of the far right in France, the, Western Europe has been sort of hypnotised to think that only uh, white Western Europeans can be fascistic or far right. And, or, or like Hitler, and that's nonsense. We're seeing it in, in China. We're seeing it in, in Russia. We're seeing yeah. it in the Middle East. You know these these crimes. But I mean that that's the thing. I mean this kind of thing won't work as a deterrent against those sorts of people who get involved in those sorts of things. I don't think saying it's a message. What it really is about is holding people to account for their crime. Surely, yeah. As and, a, that's, you know, and that's that, a, and that's a good thing. Let's stick with some Nazi crimes now. Wednesday, Sun brings us a story about the hunt for lost Nazi gold, Leo. Yeah, this that is... sounds like an Indiana Jones film or something. Yeah, well, I mean, if Indiana Jones found it, he'd be a billion dollars richer because uh, they think a billion dollar stash thought to have been looted by the Nazis uh, is being hunted inside a Swiss bank mm -hmm. uh, after a chilling list was discovered. So this list has uh, 12,000 names of former Nazis and sympathizers 
who lived in Argentina. So after, after the Second World War, a lot of Nazis fled to South America. Obviously, there's that film, The Boys from Brazil. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, this bank, uh, is it Credit, Credit Suisse? Credit Suisse. Yes, yeah. Credit Suisse. Yep. I, bet, I bet they've got, I bet on their Twitter feed, they've got the, the trans flag and they use pronouns <laughs> and they pretend to be nice people. But they're, they're absolute scumbags. They've uh, apparently looted this gold and then just kept it. Oh, they told. It, OK, just so we can be clear. Alleged. Is it alleged? Alleged. alleged. Yeah. <laughs> OK, I just want to make that absolutely clear because, uh, you they, know, obviously... Because these are the sort of people who could sue you. They've got so much money. Yeah, they could sue me using the, the, the Nazi, Nazi gold. gold. They might have. They might have taken. Yeah. Thoughts, Josh? Well, they did block it. This person found this list in 1984. Tried to conduct his own investigation. Got blocked every level. Mm. So finally, gave it over to the Simon uh, Wiesenthal Center, which fights anti-Semitism, finding Nazis and yeah. whatnot. And this is what they're trying to do now. The lawyers are on it, and to find this money. I mean, I don't know how many people are actually going to. Uh, benefit from it, but yeah, this 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 money was stolen from uh, Jewish victims and and needs to be returned. Yeah, let's move on now. You've probably all heard this guy's uh, stop Brexit rants outside of Parliament. That's right, it's Josh Howey. Uh, no, actually, this is, <laughs> this is actually a story in Wednesday's Mail, and this is uh, this man who stands outside Parliament. You know the guy, I mean. I not only do I know of him, I know him. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> you emulate him. That's no, I met him. I met him during the 2019 election. What's he like? Uh, he was far less crazy than I thought he would be. Okay. Like, I was expecting him to just be totally bonkers and screaming, and he just was sitting there like... Yes, hello, God, and this is... He's called Steve Bray. So what's happened here in this story? So he has been going outside Parliament and playing loud music. And now, I thought he was... Because he was permanently out there. Yeah. Turns out now he's actually just rocking up, like, when he thinks Boris Johnson's around or He whatever. does it on Prime Minister's questions. Yeah, exactly. Like so he's not even... He's not even really committed to it. I respected him. I was like, yes, you're mental... But at least you're sticking to it. But now it's like, what, once a week or twice a week? No, mate. That, yeah, but to be on. fair, over a number of years. I mean, uh, he, you know, he's, he's committed to I don't know it. if he deserves to be called Brexit man. I personally feel like think... someone else might step up to that role. I bet this time next year you're going to be in a tent I mean... outside Parliament. <laughs> just Better than Glastonbury. With that tattoo on your face of the EU flag yeah. like the rest. Look, um, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because mm. this has come about because of the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill, yeah. which is something that I've been complaining about a lot on my show because I just think it's such a draconian measure against the right to peaceful protest. This yeah. guy's playing the Bay City Rollers. I mean, you could get him on grounds of taste. But the point is, <laughs> you know, it's not fair, is it? He should, particularly in Parliament Square. Isn't that where people should be able to gather and express their disapproval? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this uh, new legislation that's come through is supposed to be able to deal with, uh, you know, people like him or uh, Extinction Rebellion who, who caused disruption and caused, caused noise. But yeah, protest, you should be allowed to disrupt and cause noise. Otherwise, yeah. you're probably not even leaving the house. Well, he's not it's... being abusive, right? Well, yeah. some people have claimed he's been abusive. He yeah. says he hasn't, so yeah. there's that. Um, but he's not causing harassment. He's just hes just a bit nutty. And this legislation, the way it's worded, is worded so vaguely that, you know, anybody making any noise or being anywhere could be perceived to be, you know, causing... Well, the difference... Of causing yeah, I mean, noise. this is exactly... It really comes down to the difference between public nuisance, which is what this law is meant to know, or uh, uh, actual political protest. Yeah, and who, who is the person who judges what the difference and what exactly is one and what is the yeah. other. But that's the problem with this bill, is that it puts it into the hands no, of the that's police. What, that's what I just said. Yeah. No, but I, I, said it, <laughs> I said it in a more articulate and concise way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're the boss. Yeah. All right. Now, well, also, like, to deal with Extinction Rebellion, you need less legislation. Just decriminalise running them over. Take that law off the books. I'm just going to say that... Nor, neither I nor GB News endorses. <laughs> I do, though. I do. <laughs> Josh, you keep your mouth shut. Di Time's next. It looks like universities are being warned about going woke, going broke, Leo. That's right. Here? 
So the Minister for Higher Education, Michelle Donnellan, has written to universities warning them about signing up to equality and diversity schemes that could hamper free speech. Yeah. And she singled out the Race Equality Charter, which is offered by the education charity Advance HE, and has been criticised as a money-making exercise similar to the Stonewall Diversity Champions Scheme. Mm. Uh, and uh, the, these, these people, these charities bring in a lot of money. Uh, you know, yeah. the stuff like Stonewall Diversity Scheme, it's sort of like a, a mafia protection racket. So they, they go into companies and they say, oh, nice company you got here. You know, shame if somebody, you know, shame if you weren't <laughs> allowed to place ads in The Guardian because you didn't have the Stonewall <laughs> Diversity Scheme stamp. And then they give them the, the company gives them money, they give them the, the stamp, and then they can place ads in The Guardian and do all that other that stuff. Is it. I mean, they effectively reward them with points for having the opinion that they want them to have. Yeah. And, and they, that can't work with a university, can it, with higher education? Well, no, it can't, and that's why they're stepping up to say this. But you, like you said, the money, 15.2 million was made last year. Uh, by that particular company, and yeah. its chief executive was paid £172,000. I'm going it's into that a, business. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's an absolute con. Uh, and, 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 but, and this company, Advance HE, there was, uh, they were in the papers a few months ago, yeah. do you remember the Times, because they had this trans discrimination policy with, uh, and Cambridge academics rejected it, essentially, and kicked up a big fuss. But they were trying to push that, that they had a requirement, like an enforced requirement, to, for a collective understanding of the belief that gender can be chosen. Yeah, which so is a bang very goes the biology reason. department. Exactly. So we, no, no, exactly. That's it. And they fortunately, the uh, the academics fought back against it. But this is what these people are... One one example of the many sort of things that are being pushed by companies like this. And it is yeah. a, just a massive scandal. Like Black Lives Matter in America, yeah. making all that money, buying the mansions with it. Yeah. And this, this uh, is all through corporate and HR uh, guidance now as well, like ESG, yeah. uh, so envi environmental, social and governance, which, which governs pretty much all investment and all corporations now and uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. And in most cases, it's fixing a problem that doesn't exist. You know, we're not a bunch of raving, racist, homophobic, transphobe misogynists anymore. Well, apart from... Any, any yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, not, not talking, not talking about this. That's a Freudian slip. <laughs> sticking with the times now, and I do hope graduates have a good accountant. Ready, Josh? Wow, the numbers involved in this. 3,000% uh, surge in graduates who owe six-figure student loans. Uh, that's so, in, and that's in a single year. It's gone up that much. There are six six thousand five hundred British graduates who now owe uh, over a hundred thousand pounds. Are you looking forward to when your kids go to university? <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I've actually always been very honest with them. I said, you, you guys don't have to go. Find a job that you love. Or hobby, find a hobby, and if you can in any way finance it or whatever, they don't have to go to university. For me, university, I went. I'm very lucky to have gone there at a time, certainly when it was cheaper or, or free, actually. Yeah. But, um, and I, I learned some stuff, which is great. I learned how to think, but I also got to meet women and <laughs> drink alcohol, and gonna, that was you just come on this show to brag. <laughs> I did meet more women than you at university. <laughs> you did, I, I will give you that. But I mean, it's like, when I went to university, I was, that last, I was the last year where you could get a, a full grant. It was a means-tested grant because I didn't have any money. I got all the money uh, and that was great. And I could do it and I didn't end up with this massive debt. And I don't, maybe I wouldn't have gone if I thought I was going to leave. With yeah, I mean, I, I wish I hadn't gone because I went to university and I, I could, everybody was thick. Because everybody no. goes to university now. I think 60% uh, of the population, 50 or 60% of the population, go, and you, you tell me, like 50% or 60% of the population are bright enough to go to university. They should just close loads of universities and just keep it for, for the very smartest people. Well, I mean, it's not for everyone. And, and, you know, there are apprenticeships that are much more valid for certain types of people. It's like, you know, I wouldn't have gone to a, like a, a metalwork apprenticeship 
Because I would have, you know, cut my fingers off probably and got it all right. It's not for me. But likewise, some people aren't right for university. And there's no shame in that. I don't understand why there's a stigma in not going to university. Well, it was obviously pushed so much at that time. And that was seen as attaining, like the goal to attain was to go to university as opposed to actually having some practical skills. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a welder, a plumber, electrician, something like that, if you've got a trade, then it's it's much more fun work than working in an an equality, diversity and inclusion department. (laughs) Uh, And you're earning a lot more money. Yeah, they do earn a lot of money. I've even heard of academics retraining as plumbers. So that's the GB News. um, Don't go to university, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to go through this part of the show. We're going to look at the more unusual stories of the day, those that normally end up at the back of the newspaper. Uh, And let's start with this one from Wednesday's Guardian and one of our national institutions in decline. Leo, what's this about? Yeah, so national lottery ticket sales have been hit by the cost of living crisis, according to Camelot, who run the, the lottery in the UK. But they won't be running it for, for much longer. It's been awarded to, to another, another operator. But they blamed uh, pandemic restrictions for lottery sales declining uh, in 2020 and 2021. And they, more recently, they said the cost of living crisis has hit, uh, has hit lottery ticket sales uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they're, they're just finding excuses wherever they can. For I think people see what the money is being spent on and don't want to be part of it. It doesn't feel like charity buying a lottery ticket when it's going to ballet and opera and other follies of the rich who don't deserve what you mean, sh- what, you mean the creative uh, arts? No, they're not, they're not creative. <laughs> doing, doing some Puccini from 500 years ago. That's culture, not creative. Leo, Leo it's called yeah. culture. It's, yeah. No, we've got, we've got culture now. And what we've got right now with the lottery is a tax on the poor and desperate to pay for the, the, a night out for but the wealthy choo- people. You choose to buy the ticket. We should have a tax on the opera to subsidise people's lottery tickets. This is what, That's this, the way it should work. This is where you're wrong because, you know, the... I'm not, not wrong. Well, let me explain why, <laughs> and then you can shoot me down. But the, the tax on the opera, for instance, means that there are tickets that are affordable by poorer uh, people. That's the, that's the point. You know, the National Opera has, has tickets that are like t- a ten, 10 quid up at the back. That's still that's 10 times as much as a scratch card. Well, OK, but, you know, it's not a tax because you're not, you don't have to. And also you've got to, you've got to get to Bath or wherever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, I mean... Poncy town like that. But, you know, uh, Josh... What do you think? I, well, the thing that hits me about the story is I mean, it's a bit sad. Camelot have been running it for 30 years. I didn't realise they'd lost their licence. Yeah. Uh, it's, been, it's been handed out to a, uh, yeah, like say a, a, a company that runs lotteries in Austria and Italy and Greece. I, I don't know. I thought the whole point of Brexit was that we wouldn't have these companies coming in and taking our money you from really the people have a who mis- take our money. You misunderstanding of people's idea of Brexit or why they voted for Brexit. You know what, I, I've never actually read anything about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> you just got angry about it. I'm just then. going along with the flow. I would have thought that the, in a cost of living crisis, lottery tickets would go up. Because yeah. more people would be like, you know, they're desperate and they're like, well, this, this is my last yeah. chance. This is my well, last I think because of the deregulation in the gambling industry, there's a lot more uh, opportunities to, to gamble and bet your money. All right. yeah, but it's scratch cards that have gone down the most and I think those are the most addictive all right. Cashless well, society. We don't have coins to scratch off that uh, little... That's what you can do yeah. with the edge of a credit card, I think. <laughs> I think you can. I've tried that. I'm going to take you to an opera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely I'm going to do that. Don't threaten him. I've been to an opera. God, that's oh, yeah? a yeah. punishment. Which one? Uh, it was the uh, bar- either the Barbara Seville or the Merchant of Venice. It was a something of something. The, 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 the Merchant of Venice is a play, not an opera. It was the, the other one, Barbara Seville. Right. <laughs> but it was English language. It was English you language. You got away with that one. No, it was English language. And like, it was, so it was rubbish because you could understand everything they were saying. So it didn't sound romantic like when they're singing in I Italian. I the it was just like They're literally just saying stuff in the place. They're like, bitch, <laughs> you should, you should watch- bring me my ladder. I want my ladder. Okay, we'll go and watch Lion King. Lion King's very good. Good opera. 
That's not an opera. It's a musical. That's people singing. And... It's, it's, a, it's animals singing. It's not an opera. Sound of music? And musicals don't need <laughs> musicals don't need lottery funding to be sustainable. What about comedy? Anyway, look, let's exactly. move on. It's yeah. not an art show. Yeah. It's not an art show. Let's move yeah. on to the Times next. And J.K. Rowling can never seem to catch a break, Josh. Well, I think she's done all right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor old J.K. Rowling, <laughs> boo hoo hoo. Uh, yes, yeah, so this is Tom Felton who played Draco Malfoy in the films. I don't know what that means, but okay. I don't know, whatever. There was some some wizard baddie in the films, or not? I don't know. I don't, I don't like the books particularly. Sorry, J.K. I'm a big fan of you. Uh, and he was asked on Sky News in an interview. Uh, someone said, uh, you know, why do you think that she's particularly ab- J.K. Rowling is particularly absent from uh, all this 25th? anniversary stuff that's going on uh, yeah, from the publication. Yeah, much in the... In the well, in the, in, the, in the stuff that's going on at the moment. And then out of shot, there's a public relations person can be heard saying, uh, no, we're, uh, next question, please, we're not going to answer that. And then he had to sort of remain silent. But it's not like a major gotcha. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like something where they have to drag the person into well, the car. Well, obviously, it was, according to, you know, this PR person felt like it would have been like this whole it's big not, hoo-ha. It's not like, were you on Epstein's Island? Well, you know, this yeah. is like, why, why can't the creator of the books and the films be acknowledged a little and more. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the PR company said J.K. Rowling is not connected to Warner or Tom Felton, and they didn't feel it was relevant. She's not, what, she's not connected to Warner, who have made millions <laughs> of pounds millions. off it. Not connected to Tom, to the actor who, that's why we her heard play, of him in the first... Her character. Yeah. I would suggest there's a slight connection. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm going to stick my neck out incy, there. Tiny, wincy connection. And then when he... He did actually address it later, to be fair, but he sort of went, oh, I'm the last person to weigh in opinions. Like, uh, he did the classic, like, I'm too stupid to know about stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> well maybe, he's, maybe he's he an actor. Leo, is, you, is, is he available for headliners? <laughs> um, that was my stupid person, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he, does a great, he does a great Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is insane. It's like communist yeah. China, or mm. worse than communist China, because it's... Yeah, at least they yeah. say J.K. Rowling wrote her own book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They acknowledge her. They haven't yeah. airbrushed her from all the party photos. Yeah. Do you think yeah. there will come the time where they'll be issuing her books without her name on it? You know, I just wonder. I mean, people are so sort of... They think she's so toxic, but she never said anything well, that's toxic the, none, of them, none of them read her essay that she wrote that was very painfully pointed out how she's for trans rights or whatever. Yeah. Is it as bad as the books? Well, well that's that might be a reason. It doesn't have as many twists. Let's, give, let's oh. say that. So Wednesday's mail now, and no amount of aircon will save us from future heat, heat waves. Apparently, Leo... Getting pretty bad, right? No, that's uh, the opposite, in fact. Oh, I got oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, global warming, uh, and I always suspected this, global warming is not always to blame for severe droughts. Scientists not say... always yeah, that's to blame. blame. Let's, let's, get, let's get to the end of the story. So scientists say... <laughs> these are proper scientists from a university, they're oh, professors yeah. and stuff. Uh, they say climate change's effect on extreme events can be overestimated. Uh, they do say the link to heat waves is unequivocal. Um, so the, the co-author of this study, Friedrich Otto of Imperial College London, that's one of the good ones. Friedrich Otto? <laughs> so he said that the impact... But Josh, the, these accents of yours are so offensive. Yeah. But this is it's sort of obviously... <laughs> You don't even know if he's German, he's just got a German name. Friedrich Otto looks definitely German. He could be born here. Zapfeiffer is really bad. <laughs> it's sorry. TV show or something. Okay, sorry. Right. But this is, this is obvious. Obviously, you know, climate change scientists overestimate and overrepresent the impact of global warming on Do extreme they are weather. No, this yeah, is saying, it, it's not it's saying that. No, that is exactly what it's saying. So if you, like Neil Ferguson, the COVID scientist, he says everything's a pandemic. Oh, we've got a pandemic. He's predicted about 13 of the last... Three pandemics. I mean, to be fair, he gets his numbers quite wrong. 
Uh, you know, he's yeah, got a track exactly. Of, uh, he, he gets his numbers wrong, and climate change science is even more complicated. So, I mean, the, yeah, but that doesn't uh, mean it's not happening. And there's yeah, a, yeah but there's issues like so when uh, the world warms up because more people die from the cold than from heat. So when the world warms up, so far, I mean, it's going to change in the in the future, but so far, climate change uh, has actually saved lives. Uh, Josh, I think we need a counter view. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is one of the things that these scientists that you love so much are saying. A heat wave previous, previously had a one in ten chance of occurring is now three times as likely as occurring. And the peaking at the temperatures uh, is now one degree higher. So climate change is having an impact. And what they're also saying is what we're underestimating is the impact on people's lives. In places like India, Pakistan at the moment like that, temperatures have gone like to 120 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah, floods in Bangladesh. Yeah, yeah you know, for example, and this was made 30 times more likely because of climate change. And, and it's, it's in India at the moment, it's fine for the rich who can afford air conditioning and stuff. For the poor, they're literally dying in the streets. Well, that was a very balanced segment, I feel. We got both sides there. And with uh, some German impressions. And with a couple of German impressions. Oh, you yeah. can get them into any story, can't you, Josh? I'm trying to. Yeah, I, I know you are. <laughs> uh, Wednesday's independent now, and we have a mass extinction on our hands, Josh. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Antarctica. <laughs> so only... Is that how they speak there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's famous. So they're, they're only native insect, insect uh, which yes. is actually a reason to move to Antarctica because I hate insects, uh, <laughs> is being driven to extinction by global warming. It's an Antarctic midge. It's an Antarctic... I hate midges. Hate midges. So this is a kind of a happy story, maybe? No. No? It's, the extinction of a species is not a happy story, Josh. A midge? Is there any more annoying... But this is a pretty impressive midge, because this, this, this midge can live in these Arctic conditions. It's you know? flightless as well, so it won't fly into your hair. Uh, yeah, it's not... It's or exactly. your, not your head. <laughs> it won't fly into your... Thank you so much. <laughs> no, but that's what's annoying about midges, is that they bump into you all the yeah. time. These ones just creep around the ground, minding their own business, and they're going extinct now, because, yeah. because of climate change, Leo. So now can you see a downside? Well, yeah, but they see... Uh, so Antarctica's... And only insect is going extinct because of climate change because it's getting warmer. Antarctica is still pretty cold. Midges can live in Scotland, which is a lot warmer than Antarctica. So there's going to be other things that can live in Antarctica. I don't think this is a disaster. Yeah, but this particular native one that only lives in Antarctica, I think yeah. that, that's native to Antarctica, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah I but think... so why do we need it? Could somebody well, explain why well, we it need has a knock-on effect? It's like it's, it's you know it's like it affects you know, the ecosystem. Yeah, bears live off the midges. But another midge, that's true too. Another like a Scottish midge will fill that niche because well, it's a bit warm. You want to warm. export midges from Scotland to Antarctica? If that's what it takes to make climate change scientists <laughs> just, shut up. For goodness' sake! It says here in the article that the, this insect it li it takes about it lives for two years. Mm. Most of that time, it's a larva. <laughs> not, not much of a life, is it? What does it uh, eat? Oh, I don't know. Living moss, uh, living moss and praseola crispy algae. Maybe it's better mm. off... That sounds like the diet I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think it's better off extinct, maybe, but we'll see. Anyway, moving on now to Wednesday's Metro. Uh, and when a, when a par when's a party not a party? When it's an Airbnb. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's right, yes. You're not allowed to have parties at Airbnbs They've anymore. had this for a while, though, haven't so, they? So, yeah, they brought it in with uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, they banned parties uh, just to stop, you know, the spread of, of COVID. Yes. Um, but, they've, yeah, they've decided... Uh, they've decided. I guess it makes a lot less hassle for them. They're not going to get complaints from the Airbnb yeah. owners yeah. and then have to, you know, do refunds and, and fines and all the rest of it. Um, so they've decided to make it permanent. They saw a 44% um, year-after-year drop in the rate of party reports. Uh, since implementing the policy in 2020, so they've decided to, to keep it. But this is quite a good idea, because if you've got an Airbnb and you've got a big house and, you, and people ha take it for parties, if you live nearby or next door, you must yeah. be sick of it. 
Yeah. You know, because it's all very well if your neighbours have a party once a year, you can make your peace with it. But if you have different people in every week and they're constantly having parties, yes, I think that must get... Do every stag week. do every yeah. week. It must be really annoying, right? I'm sure it's incredibly annoying. But the good news is also they've lifted, though, its 16-person limit uh, as So they well. can rent it out to as many... As well, to more people, which means now, uh, I, you know, my family and I can go away with one other family. And is that, what, is that what you want to do? <laughs> yeah, to share the burden. <laughs> Let's move on now to the mirror next. Uh, and have you ever been accused of complaining about something just to get it for free, Josh? Yeah, so this restaurant owner who does not sound like a particularly good human being, <laughs> um, he, well, you know, let's find out. Uh, he says that, it can, people, that people have been complaining about... This is at a fish and chip shop, by the way. Well, it's a chip shop in Cleethorpe. Cleethorpe, yeah, just in case they want to sue us. Um are saying that the, the people are complaining are chavs who don't want to pay. So I, they're going on eating all the food, they seem happy enough with the food while they're eating it, and then they're like, oh, this was disgusting, whatever. But actually, when you listen to some of the examples of people just saying their fish wasn't, uh, was cold, they're out in another family, their uh, sausages weren't right, the, you know, nuggets, all this stuff, and they said they had to eat because they were so hungry, and then everyone was complaining. But this is the thing that the horrible, most horrible thing about this story is the restaurant owner refused to speak to them and sent out these, like, 18-year-old workers to these deal... Kids. These kids to deal I mean, with the complaints. he has complete disdain for his customers. The mm. fact that he says they're chavs who don't want to pay... Isn't the customer always right? Oh, oh. Will. oh no. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, but say it anyway. Put us out of our Let, Let's just hear what the customer had to say, and then we yeah. can make our own minds up. Okay. Uh, so, your impression, please. So this, no, because I, I can't. I don't know what accent they've got. It's a Cleethorpe accent. Could be from anywhere. I'm, I'm guessing. It, I'm guessing it's Chaps. not from Kensington and Chelsea. Okay. But, so they, they said, "Me and my wife ordered the sausage. It wasn't our first choice, but our first choice wasn't available, which suggests that they cooked fresh. And it was my wife who said it wasn't right." We were that hungry that we ate it anyway. There was nothing wrong with the chips. Now, okay, but if it was that bad, you wouldn't eat it. Yeah, but if you're hungry, if you're hungry yeah. yeah, then you, you send, might... send up. You say there's something wrong with my sausage. Can but I get no, one of those not, fish cakes? That's not the way restaurants work. I mean, you can. Yes, eat, it is. You, that's no, exactly you, how restaurants. You, work. I've drunk a whole bottle of champagne and said it wasn't good enough. <laughs> got my money back. Have you? No, but I, <laughs> but I could. I could do that. But if you take a bite of the sausage and say this isn't right, the rest, the restaurant, or in this case, chip shop. Yeah, but he call it, he call it chavs. Yeah, yeah, that's just a bottle. But but then they are also they did complain, and I that's that's what's suspect to me because I would never complain. I would just be I could be served like dog food. Oh, I, I'm and saying, I would yeah. just be bitter and angry and just sit there fuming and uh, then just go home and be like, ah, afterwards. So very, the fact they complain suggests that there's obviously something wrong with them. That's very, <laughs> very British of you. Yes, Gosh. exactly. Let's move on to the Daily Star next. And a village has been terrorised by the return of the Gimp Man. Yeah, the Gimp Man. Uh, yeah. oh, I'm, really, the Gimp Man? I'm really hoping it's an addition to the Marvel Universe. But, uh, <laughs> There's a black latex-clad pervert dub. Oh, photo. We see some oh, photo. Oh, we've got a photo. Well, I don't know if that's man. actually him. He's got we... some man boobs. Oh, I think that's that's an artist's impression of what he what he So looks this guy's like. roaming at these villages in Somerset. Yeah, so Claverham and Yatton. I hope I pronounced them these right. These are so small he, villages. Two right? years ago, he was he was roaming around there, uh, and police, despite arresting two people, they never got to the bottom, no pun intended, of mm. the mystery. Uh, but on Sunday, he came back. So there's a June 26th, the Gimp Man uh, reportedly walked up to Kira Elston, who's 19, and her boyfriend as they walked home at 1am. So teaching assistant Kira, who fled home with her boyfriend, said it was the most terrifying experience but of her life. Is he actually mm. doing... Is, is this like the Beast of Jersey? You know, the guy on <laughs> yeah, Jersey yeah. used to dress him in the fetish stuff. Because he used to go into people's bedrooms. I mean, how terrifying is that? Oh, really? Pull them out with a noose and... it was. What? I mean, it, it, well, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, but... 
It's not that. He's not actually... This guy isn't actually He's doing just sort anything. of going out to people. So it was on Sunday, June 26th. Uh, Leo wasn't on the show that day, were you? <laughs> I was, actually. Oh, you were? Yeah, okay, I was. Got I've got <laughs> right, fair enough. Clara. Uh, but, yeah, that person does... You know what? They've probably been gone for a while because they've been sort of protesting women meeting up, fighting for uh, women's rights. They look like one of those trans right activists. I mean... <laughs> Is this just someone playing a trick? Is this like, do you remember that when there was that rush of people dressing up as clowns and pretending to frighten people at night with like fake chainsaws? And yeah. stuff? Is that what this is? Is it like a trick? Well, I, don't ask me. I'm not in that brain, the mental person who's wearing weird. I can't even. Maybe, maybe he's just worried about the rain. Maybe he's just like. You think it's like some sort of umbrella, very close umbrella? Yeah, very moist inside, I think. Not that yeah. I know what a, a gimp is like. You know suspiciously <laughs> a lot about it. I think this. It's, just, it's just context. I mean, if he was doing this in Camden, nobody would even notice. Well, let's move on quick. We've got time for one more story, I think. And the mirror now. If you are thin, you are privileged, Leo. Oh, yeah, so uh, an Instagram influencer has shared her dismay after spotting a gorgeous outfit in River Island. Uh, she really wanted to try, only to realise she, she picked the biggest, uh, the biggest size, but she mm. couldn't get the trousers past her thighs and there were no bigger sizes available. Yeah, because you're fat. Like, lose weight. If you want to wear these clothes, lose weight. You think the clothes are wrong? You've picked the biggest size of the clothes, you still can't get them on. Obviously, you need to lose some but, weight. But don't you think these shops should cater for all sizes and all shapes and, you know... Well, I think the gimp outfit... Up to infinity. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, there, to be fair, there are shops that just specialise in bigger clothes. And why not go Why not go there? What do you think, Josh? Yeah, because there's probably too much hassle. To, she'd, like, run out of breath. Walking walk walk the extra four metres. Yeah. Uh, look, this, when I think thin privilege, I think this. It's like, maybe they've got fat privilege, you know? You think? No, I don't know. I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but it does annoy me when it's like, people can be, you know, like, same on, on airplane flights and, the, you know, when you see fat, you know, when fat, we're right two seats. Yeah, and they're like, oh, my God, this is, well, I, that for me is fat privilege. When you've got the thin person... I'm going to have to end right. this now before we get into some serious fat shaming. <laughs> That's all we've got time for. We'll see you tomorrow for Headliners at 11 o'clock. See you then. Farewell. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. <laughs>